Welcome to Special Relationship, a podcast from Mike and The Economist. I'm Celeste Katz from Mike. And I'm John Prado from The Economist. This week, we're talking about how much we know or how much we should know about the health of our leaders. Hillary Clinton has been fending off a lot of unflattering questions about her health this cycle. Donald Trump has openly challenged her mental and physical stamina. His surrogates and his fans have done everything from suggest Hillary Clinton has been looking quote-unquote tired and sick to flat-out accusing her of having a brain disorder. She might be, like, an amazing person, but if she is, like, terminally ill or something like that, then obviously she's not going to be, yeah, obviously she's not going to be the best choice. A lot of this has been dismissed as conspiracy theory dirty politics. I think she's healthy. It's, she's been in the campaign for a long time, and it's normal to not feel well sometimes. We all do, and uh, I think they're using that against her, and uh, they themselves, Trump themselves, could feel tomorrow he could have something. Clinton's doctor reported last year that she was in excellent health and was fit to serve as president. But things changed this week when she was filmed making a very shaky exit from a ceremony commemorating the 9-11 attacks. That same doctor, Lisa Bardak, later said that Hillary Clinton had become overheated and dehydrated at the event and was now recovering nicely. She also revealed that two days earlier, while being checked out for a prolonged cough caused by allergies, Hillary Clinton was diagnosed with pneumonia. Trump has said that he'll be out with new detail about his medical health this week. The last report he released was pretty short on detail compared to Clinton's, but very long on hyperbole. His doctor, Harold Bornstein, said Trump had, quote, astonishingly excellent test results, although he didn't reveal any of them, and that if Trump won, he would be, quote, unquote, the healthiest individual ever elected to the presidency. Whether or not that's possibly the case, we don't know. What is true is that either Trump at 70 or Clinton at 68 would be among the oldest presidents we've ever had. So our bigger question is this. How much does the public have a right to know about the health of the people who run the country or who want to run it? Joining us now is Robert Dalek, a distinguished historian of the presidency who currently teaches at Stanford. Professor Dalek, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. So we've had a few presidents, obviously, or more than a few, who were not quite forthcoming about the real nature of their health. You think of people like FDR, Woodrow Wilson, uh, John F. Kennedy. So has it been sort of a tradition in America for our leaders to not be very open about about how healthy they are. Yes, very much so. In fact, uh, you can go back to Grover Cleveland in 1892. He had a cancer of the jaw uh, after he was elected to his second term. Uh, his physicians took him out on the East River on a yacht and uh, performed surgery, cut away the cancer, and uh, implanted a, a, a prosthetic jaw, rubber a prosthetic jaw. And uh, the public never knew that he had uh, this uh, cancer. And then, of course, uh, Woodrow Wilson uh, had a stroke in 1919, and he was largely immobilized. And uh, the White House more or less hid from the public the extent of his disability. And Franklin Roosevelt, uh, beginning in 1940, of course, had... Uh, congestive heart failure. But even before that, he came to the presidency in 1933 uh, as uh, someone who could not walk 
without aid or without uh, steel braces on his lower limbs. And then uh, uh, one can go on. Dwight Eisenhower had heart disease. And uh, for a while, uh, the White House tried to hide it, but it became uh, public knowledge. Uh, John Kennedy, uh, I revealed in the book I once wrote about uh, Kennedy and Unfinished Life, that uh, he had many uh, medical problems, and these were hidden from the public in the uh, late 1950s. He was hospitalized nine times, once for 19 days, twice for a week, and uh, the public didn't know all this. And uh, we didn't learn about it until I published my book in uh, 2003. Lyndon Johnson had a heart condition, which was uh, largely uh, pushed aside. Uh, Richard Nixon had done psychotherapy, and this was not discussed or uh, out in the open. And we still don't know uh, the extent to which Ronald Reagan had uh, the onset of Alzheimer's disease. So, yeah, there is a uh, a long tradition of uh, presidents uh, being very uh, uh, hidden or uh, cautious about letting the public know about their health problems. And what do you think, Professor? I mean, is that is that a danger to the public I mean, that people are being kept in the dark this way? Well, I think it is a danger to the public in the sense that I favor the idea that all presidential and vice presidential candidates should give a full accounting of their uh, uh, medical histories. Now, I think part of the danger comes from the fact that the public is not sophisticated enough about uh, these matters. After all, Abraham Lincoln had a uh, uh, severe depression, history of depression. Winston Churchill talked about the dark dogs that would uh, besiege him. It was depression. And yet, uh, Lincoln and Churchill, two of the greatest uh, leaders in modern history. Uh, and Kennedy was very effective in the presidency. Uh, Franklin Roosevelt was uh, marvelously effective. So, you know, it's not as if having these medical issues uh, should uh, stop people from voting for someone, but I think they should know what they're getting into. What the And it also enhances the importance of the vice presidency, because if a president has medical issues, you want to be sure that uh, if he uh, passes away or is immobilized, uh, there's going to be an effective vice president to replace him. Of course, we have now, since the Eisenhower illness, we have the 25th Amendment to the Constitution, which provides for a system of replacing at least temporarily uh, a president who is immobilized by some illness or other. If we've had lots of presidents who've been ill, as you say, and if plenty of those presidents have been effective, do you think that there are illnesses that ought to be disqualifying? Oh, absolutely. If, if someone has a fatal cancer, you see, then I certainly don't think you want to put them in the White House and let them uh, play out the last months or even year of their life. So I would think that's a, 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 a medical problem that should exclude this person from uh, winning the presidency. But if you have uh, diabetes, let's say, or if you have pneumonia, as Hillary Clinton currently has, uh, then it should not be disqualifying because uh, these are medical issues that modern medicine can uh, readily treat. As far as uh, 
President Obama, we've had uh, for eight years somebody in the White House who is relatively young, certainly appears to be, and the doctor's reports say he is uh, quite fit and healthy. Do you think that has had an effect on how people are looking at Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, who would be among the oldest people ever elected? Well, I think it, it, it might have some impact on their uh, judgment. But I think there's plenty of reason why both uh, Trump in particular and Hillary as well are uh, not all that popular among uh, millions and millions of voters. Uh, So it's not strictly the health issue that has been uh, working against them by any means. But you see, once they uh, dissemble, once they hide from the uh, voters, from the public, what their medical history are, then it becomes an issue. See, they're much better off if they're more open about this and let people know what uh, the limitations of their health may be. Because as you say, uh, after all, she is 68 and Trump is 70. And, uh, you know, as you age, obviously, you're going to begin to have some medical problems. It's the rare person who can uh, claim to be uh, 100% healthy at the age of 70. Do you think you should have any kind of expectations of privacy if you seek the highest office in, in America? Or do, uh, and do you worry that if you the answer to that is no, that some people might, some good people might be put off? Well, I, it may be that some good people may be put off, but I think lots of good people are put off by all sorts of other things about running for president, including the extent to which the media will try to eat them alive with uh, finding every little thing about their uh, earlier life. But I do think that uh, candidates are obliged to tell us about their medical history. And that, as I said, goes for both the presidency and the uh, vice presidency. And if it puts some people off about running, well, so be it. There have been other reasons why uh, some people have not run. Uh, They don't want to reveal uh, what their wealth is or uh, what their income has been. So uh, there's a sort of natural progression here. But uh, by and large, I think uh, uh, we are well served. Our democracy is well served by learning uh, as much as we can about these uh, uh, people who aspire to become chief executive. And Professor, looking ahead and knowing what you know about history, it seems like over time there are some things that have been disqualifying perhaps in the past but might be okay now. I don't know if that's why uh, presidents hid things from the public or maybe it was even a matter of national security. Like, would you want the Russians to know that that the president was was on the table being under the knife, so to speak? Can you see a day in the future maybe where Americans would be okay with, uh, say, electing somebody who had was very open about having been treated for depression or being on insulin for diabetes in the way that people were accepting of George W. Bush, who when he talked about having had a drinking problem. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a good point. After all, you know, the American presidency and American political life has evolved. It wasn't until 1920 that women were allowed to vote in this country. And so now we're at a point that uh, we are uh, perhaps and maybe even likely uh, electing a woman as uh, as president. 
And uh, uh, so it, it evolves. Uh, conditions uh, shift and, and change. And, uh, and I think the public becomes uh, more open, receptive. Uh, to, and, of course, there are some people who uh, will always vote against someone because they're a Catholic. Uh, when John Kennedy ran in 1960, uh, he had a terrible problem uh, with the fact that he was a Catholic because there were millions of people in this country who I'm sure voted against him because of his religion. Now, the fact that he was elected and he served effectively, I think, has uh, tossed that issue or thrown that issue aside. So nobody asks anymore uh, if you're a Catholic. Nowadays, if you were a Muslim, I'm sure it would work against you in trying to run for the presidency. But uh, it, uh, I mean, the fact that we now have had a African American as president, and that we've had a woman who's been nominated, uh, speaks volumes about the way in which uh, the political culture in this country has changed. Clearly, Hillary Clinton's pneumonia is a matter of legitimate public interest. Some of her supporters say that because she's um, a woman, you know, the first frontline female candidate for the office, uh, her health is is scrutinized slightly differently. Do you think that's fair or, or do you think actually that's stretching that point? Well, I, I, I don't know that it's fair, but I think that it is a reality that she has to deal with. The way when Kennedy ran, uh, it wasn't fair that people were uh, inclined to vote against him because he was a Catholic. And he was told by some of his aides not to address the issue, but he said, on the contrary, he felt compelled to address it. You know, it, being open is, is, is a very good idea because if uh, people feel that you're uh, hiding things, that you're uh, dissembling, the, that you're trying to mislead them, it just deepens the cynicism about American politics. And as it is, there's a lot of cynicism, and people are not very happy with either of the candidates in this current election. Indeed, what's most interesting to me is that when you ask people in this country to assess uh, uh, recent presidents, the one who comes out on top is John Kennedy with an 85% approval rating. Uh, the only one close to him is Ronald Reagan with 74%. So uh, all those other presidents, like uh, obviously Nixon and Lyndon Johnson and Eisenhower surprises me. I would think Eisenhower would have more standing. But people don't know a lot about history in this country, and uh, they tend to forget. And uh, people like uh, Roosevelt and Truman and Eisenhower have become uh, distant historical objects. We've talked quite a lot about presidents and their ill health, beginning with poor old Grover Cleveland and his what sounds like excruciatingly painful operation um, on the water. Um, what about candidates? Uh, I mean, clearly there's an overlap there because you know presidents were candidates at some point. But does this um, pneumonia incident uh, on the campaign trail fairly close to election day? Does that remind you of any sort of previous instance involving candidates, or is it is it uh, something new? Well, remember, there was a, a, a vice presidential candidate, a senator from Missouri, who uh, it was revealed that he had a hospitalization for depression, and he was compelled to withdraw from the race in uh, 1972. So, yes, it, it, it can have an impact without question. And I think that uh, Hillary's pneumonia will have some impact on the way in which uh, people decide to vote. But since it's still eight weeks away from the election, eight weeks, 
is a long time in American politics and in one of these presidential elections. And, uh, you know, also the media moves from uh, issue to issue with uh, blinding rapidity, it seems. And so the issue of uh, one week fades into uh, the distance and something else uh, comes forward to uh, take its place. So, Professor, aside from the need for candidates to be open and honest about their health. From a political standpoint, uh, Donald Trump has been making insinuations about how healthy Hillary Clinton is for a while. And Hillary Clinton has said that Donald Trump is unstable and that sort of thing. I mean, how do you see this playing out as them using health issues as a weapon against each other as we run up to Election Day? Well, uh, I think it, 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 it speaks volumes about the way uh, candidates operate in presidential elections. You know, it's it's uh, 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 an unpleasant business. You can go all the way back to the year 1800 when Thomas Jefferson ran against a sitting president, John Adams, and they said of Jefferson he was the Antichrist. And Adams was accused of being an hermaphrodite, half man, half woman. So, you know, Andrew Jackson was was accused of bigamy. And uh, uh, it's it's really uh, Grover Cleveland. Uh, there was the uh, ditty about uh, uh, the uh, uh, Republicans. He was a Democrat. Republicans sent women with young children into the crowds into the rallies who would shout, Ma, Ma, where's my pa? And the Democrats would shout back, Gone to the White House, ha, ha, ha. Well, they were accusing Cleveland of having an illegitimate child. So, you know, it's 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 an unpleasant business. And uh, I, I've always told my students, if you want to go into politics, you better have a thick skin because it's uh, not an easy game. Professor Robert Dalek, thank you so much for talking with us been my pleasure. Thank you. America isn't unusual in paying so much attention to the intestines, veins, capillaries and synapses of its would-be rulers. Most democracies do the same. In autocracies, it's another story. In Uzbekistan, it was pretty much forbidden to discuss the health of Islam Karimov, who ruled the country for 25 years until he dropped dead earlier this month. In France, like in America, voters grew to be suspicious about their president's health when they discovered, after he left office, that President Mitterrand had suffered from prostate cancer and had kept it hidden. Mitterrand was diagnosed just six months into his first term, an illness that never made it into the official presidential health bulletins. He went on to serve for 14 years. The current French president, François Hollande, releases a health report fairly regularly. The most recent one says that his blood pressure, electrocardiogram results and biological analysis, whatever that is, are all normal. But in France, like in America, it seems that past cover-ups have created a demand for more information about a candidate's or president's health. But when that information is forthcoming, people don't necessarily trust it because they remember that they were misled in the past. In this way... The speculation about the candidate's health is like the campaign in miniature. It's not just that Trump and Clinton supporters can't agree with each other, although that's true. They can't agree on what information is trustworthy either. Without that, it's hard to begin a discussion on anything, really. That's it for this week. 
Subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. We were produced by Alan Haberchak. Thank you, Alan. Thanks, Alan. And thanks so much, everyone, for listening. If you want to help us out, you can do that by rating and reviewing the show on iTunes. I'm Celeste Katz with Mike and at Celeste Katz NYC on Twitter. And I'm John Prado at The Economist or at John Prado on Twitter. See you next time. 